Hey, I'm Adam from Built Sharp Knives, and you're listening to the Bladeology Podcast. being said let's let's jump into it like we do every week welcome to another episode of the bladeology podcast i'm jeremiah burbank with pvk vegas nick chuprin with ncc knives and elijah isham of isham blade works and this is philip booth philip booth knives awesome uh philip i want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be with us here on the uh on the podcast i know we're all we're all looking forward to Having you on and talking to you about your your awesome knives, I know there's there's a couple special ones I want to ask about, and I, I know these guys have some too. Um, let let's start it with what you're working on right now. What what what's on the bench? On my bench, uh, I have f- uh, five scale release minnows that I'm working on to go to Kentucky. Uh, if I get them finished, uh, if I don't, I'll take however many it is that that I'm I'm working on. Uh, yeah, you know, Nick was just talking about having 22 knives. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) 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 When I do a big batch of knife, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, a a big build, it's, it's like five, you know, I like two or three better. Okay. So, um, all right. So you're, you're working on Kentucky right now. We're we're getting in that crunch. That show is um, let me think the first week in December. Yes. Yeah. Okay. December seventh, I think. You know, it's a whole week into December this year, but but yeah, you know, I've got some other nice, you know, stashed away, so that uh, uh, you, you know that I don't that I'll I'll be taken down there. That you know, I'll be good. Yeah, they moved it a week back this time. Usually it's the first December first. Uh, they moved it a week back, which I think is better. Yeah, it's not it's, as close to New York. Yes. It's also not as close to uh, Thanksgiving, which is good. Yeah, yeah. They, it's it'll, it'll be, yeah, yeah. I'm excited. I always like doing shows, though. You know, um, of course, I'm an old guy. And, uh, uh, you know, we used to, uh, uh, we used to do a lot of shows, you know, because all the knife clubs, would would put on their little local show and as a as a custom maker you know you could drive a couple hundred miles you know do a show for a couple of days sell a couple of knives buy whatever it was you you needed at the show and come on home Mm. you know and uh those kind of those kind of little shows are are uh well they're they're dwindling you know times change i'm not gonna say you know so that, that's a great that's a great segue. Um, speaking mm-hmm. of shows, we love talking about shows. We all go to lots of them. What what was uh what was your first knife show? When when did you really start going to shows? My very first professional knife show was in September of 1995 uh, on the south side of Chicago, down on Halst- Halstead Street. There again, it was a club show for the um, Chicago area. Uh, Oh heck, it doesn't matter. You know, it was a, it was the Chicago Knife Club, and mm. uh, that's nineteen ninety five in September. So it's a knife club. I think we've we've might have heard about this once before, but um, yeah. So usually there's 
back then it was more clubs. Uh, I don't know many that are active. The Brooklyn Knife Clubs is actually still active. It's like every second Wednesday of the month. I went not maybe last time, like six years ago. I haven't been in a while, but I know they're still active. Like a guy called me a Blade Show this series. Like, hey, you got to show up at the, the Knife Club. I'm like, yeah. It's a, it's a ways away. It's mostly like classical slip joint guys and uh, yep. flex blade guys at the clubs. Got to keep it going, Nick. Mm-hmm. So um, so the first one was in Chicago. How was that show? Was there was there any uh, any excitement there? Makers that you that you were looking to meet or, or hadn't met that would eventually go on to be uh, somebody who's someone. You know, uh, <laughs> well, how was that show? You know, I um, I had worked all summer. I was making uh, slip joints, um, big ones actually, and uh, like uh, case saddle horns, you know, two blades, and then I'd do a, a leather pouch, you know, so you could hook it on your belt. And uh, I I had gone to to uh, a class actually. Um, from Bob Cargill, any of you remember Bob Cargill? Uh, he's really old now. Uh, he was a good man. He made uh, all of the Cripple Creek knives, mm. and uh, mm. he was uh, big in the National uh, Knife Collectors uh, Club. Uh, he made all their club knives. He was a busy guy. Anyway, uh, I went down to his his home, his shop. And uh, he showed me how to make a two-blade slip joint. And uh, I I came back home and and took off from there. So when I got to the Chicago show, okay, um, I was I was scared and excited and and uh, and I was I was there for uh, three days. It was a three-day show, Uh, and you know. Uh, I, I never sold a knife. Um, just just got my buns kicked. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it was like, uh, man, it was a it was a long drive home, you know. <laughs> oh boy! And were you uh, you were a hobbyist at the time, part time? Uh, yeah, I was I was hobbyist at the time, you know. I I uh, one of my memories from that show is uh, there was a knife maker from Michigan that that uh you know i went over to his table and met him and talked to him uh mr bob enders uh okay. he's long yeah he's long past now and uh bob enders came over to my table and you know he's leaning on my table and he's he's picking up my knives and he's up he's an opener and i'm closing them and a wiggling them and you know feeling on the back you know and, and he says he goes well son he says these are these are pretty nice. He says, uh, you selling these knives? And I said, well, not yet, Mr. Enders. You know, and he looked at me and he said, son, you ain't never going to sell these knives. He says, you got brass on them and you got wood on them. He said, you know, and, and you know, and he, he's picking up my knives and he says, all of your adjustments are correct. All the knives are good. He told me to buy some ATS-34. Some wow. 416 stainless steel, 410 for the liners, and put jig bone on my knives. And he says, they'll sell right away. Hmm. And, you know, that's that's uh, 
almost the last piece of wood that I ever I've ever used. You know, I'm, I just, I'm hmm. literally looking at a wood and brass knife you just made. Oh, this is 2017. That weird automatic with the rotating thumb release, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, so as, as you mentioned that, like, I literally just scrolled right to that. I was like, oh, there's brass wow. and wood right there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, there ain't nothing wrong with brass and wood. You know, so, that, that's great, because ATS-34, I mean, what, what were you using at the time on that knife? Oh, I was using carbon steel. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, and uh, uh, nickel silver um, brass liners, nickel silver bolsters. Um, and I was really just... Uh, you know, g- grinding and making knives for the sake of, well, you know, how, you know, that's how you learn stuff. You know, you, as my son would say, you take it to the woodshed, you know, and you just, you just, you just do it and you do it. And, and, uh, um, learning and by so, doing, yeah. you know, mm. and, you know, so consequently, um, I did not, I did not sell a knife at that show and I came home and, um, I was working full time as a rural mail carrier, um, and uh, you know, it took me a oh, heck—I don't know—a week before I could even open up my knife case and look at my knives. You know, and I opened up my knife case and I looked at them and I'm, you know, checking my adjustments and and uh, you know, my, you know, my my half stops and, and everything—they were pretty good, you know. And I look at these and I go, yeah, well, these ain't—they're not that bad. Well, yeah, maybe I'll buy some of that ATS thirty four stuff and a you know and a and a kill to to do my heat treat and and uh, uh, that was the last that first show there was the last show that I didn't um, that I, I I failed to sell a knife until like two thousand and eight when the when the bottom dropped out of the market mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, the, the, the 2008, that I, I wish I, I, I saw the mark, how the knife market went then. As a full-time maker, I always think about that, because my first year was 09. And uh, at the New York show, and you were actually one of the first custom makers I saw. And I don't remember if it was 09 or 010 when you had the car knife. Yeah. At Nick's. Um, but it, 09 looked like it was great for the industry. That, that was my first year, so I'm very interested how that year prior went. Talking to a lot of guys, everyone's like, "Yeah, it was bad." <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. Um, uh, yeah, you know, it was. It was bad. It was bad for a lot of things. You know, uh, a lot of things took a hit. Um, the antique market. You know, I mean, there. You know, there was a well, and everybody wanted antiques, and you know, nah, after two thousand and eight, that went that went down some, at least around here. You know, which is here is here is Michigan. Um, mm-hmm. right, you know, right in the center of the state here, but, but yeah, things are good. So basically the, the knives functioned correctly, uh, but he, his instruction was more on the dress of the piece and, and less on the function though. Yes. Okay. Materials. Materials. Seems yeah, to be right. what everybody is concerned with on a custom folder these days. Mm. That's how everyone moves on. There's a lot of classic guys. You go to you go. I go to shows and I see they have beautiful knives and they don't sell anything. Mm-hmm. And then I'll come back the next year and then they kind of realize stop using the the bone and this and that and just do the same knife and just throw some carbon fiber on that thing and it sells. Yeah, most like I've seen a lot recently, past few years. Like everybody gravitates toward the materials first and not so much the knife. 
anymore. I don't know. I yeah. think it depends on the maker a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It was a material thing, too. I actually had this conversation with my father explaining to him how, like, five, six years ago, materials had, like, a one, two, three-year shelf life sometimes where something was in demand for a while. And nowadays, uh, things usually have, like, a four or five-month shelf life. Nothing really stays popular for too long. You have to constantly buy materials and make sure. You, like, I, I stockpile a lot of stuff. I have stuff that I bought eight years ago that, you, that hasn't been available for, like, the last four. But nowadays, like, there's not really point to stockpile because you have to buy it and use it right away. Yeah. And, Phil, you've, you've used your uh, fair share of materials. Yes, I have. All kinds of stuff. Damascus yeah. and jig and mammoth. and I'm just seeing all kinds of crazy stuff. He uses yeah. a lot yeah. of mammoth. I, I do use a lot of mammoth. Um, um, you know, that's another reason. Uh, I, I try not to jump around here, but, you know, but it's another reason why uh, I shy away from New York is is they have laws against uh, ancient ivory. And, you know, uh, how, you know, nobody really needs any trouble with authorities. Um, and And so... But yes, I I do like to use ancient ivory. It, it is, um, it is my favorite handle material. It's um, it's beautiful. It's stable. It's heavy. It um, it's grippy. You know, it's nice for a, a a scale release. You know, especially my my little scale release minnows. It's ivory is is very good for that. You know, even when it's it's uh, sanded and polished smooth, it's still grippy. You know, where, uh, you know, pearl, oh my goodness, you know, you put pearl on one of those and, and it'd be hard to open, you know, there's no, tra- you know, there's no traction. Sure, sure. Yeah, th- th- that law change in Jersey and New York literally killed the Eastern, the show that's in March, the Eastern New York show, that, like really yeah. that year, just like, oh, well, all those makers that go to that show and all the dealers that go to that show is like, well, we can't do that anymore. Yeah. And they're like, okay, hey, we're going to cancel this one. <laughs> So yeah. Phil, how did you get from how did you get from the the slip joint at your first show to the minnow? Take take us through that 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 formative period. Um, okay, it's uh, so 1995. Bob Cargill and I was making slip joints. Uh, 1999. Um, no, excuse me. I'm gonna go back. 1997. Um, I went to Arkansas and I took one of those liner locking knife making classes from Mel Pardue. Oh, okay. Did, you know, he well, did so many of. And uh, um, I, you know, went to, went to class with, uh, um, it was a big class. It was, God, it was 4th of July too. Hotter than heck. Um, and uh, learned how to make, um, the, the old liner lock and uh, met Mel and and there was a lot of there was so you know uh, a lot of big name guys there that were in that in that uh, in that was, particular class. Was Joe still making knives with him over there during that time? Um, yeah, Joe was making knives. He Joe still was, was not, making this. Yeah, Joe was not at that class, but but yeah, he was. You know, Joe's mm-hmm. a good guy. I'm very familiar with that whole family, so that's why the the grandson Rob Carter. I do a lot of collabs with him, and I've known him for years, and I've known Joe and Mel for years as well. So I was wondering, around that time is when Joe kind of stopped making knives, I believe. I believe so. 
it, yeah. Um, Mel was was just he was just fabulous. Oh, Mel's still a tank. I share. I, I ended up sharing a table with him at this past USN because Rob couldn't make it, and I had some of the collab knives with me. And he brought eight knives to the show, and every I see every time I see Mel, I'm like, "Hey, what you working on?" He's like, "Oh, I just finished all these for the show, and I'm working on this new mechanism and trying this new thing, and can't get this." You know, he curses a lot. He's like, "I can't get the some bitch to work right, but I'm gonna get it going." And and he's like, "It just it's always good to talk to him. He always comes up with some weird things. Some of them don't make sense." I'm like, "Yeah, is that mechanism really needed?" He's like, "Not really, but no one's done it, so why not?" Mm-hmm. The engineer brain. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. He's he was uh man, I got a Mel story. So down at that class, you know, there was uh, however many guys in the world making a liner lock, you know. And uh you know, so uh, almost the end of the week, you know, we had our knives, they were working really good. You know, it was, it was cool. And uh man, you know that the 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 blade tip on on my on my knife of course you know it wasn't centered you know um yes yeah, what's one of those you know it's it's the bane of everybody you know and yep. so i i took my knife up, up to mel and this was about a oh you know three and a half four inch blade uh liner lock and i said mel i said i can't i can't get the the blade to center and he goes well let me take a look so he looks at my knife, he opens it, closes it, opens it, closes it, you know. Finally he goes, okay, you know, opened that knife up, grabbed a hold of that blade, and bent that sucker into a U around his thigh. Oh, man, he's just a push on this sucker. And I'm looking at that, and I go, holy man. You know what? He gets it back up there like that, and he goes, dead center now. And he hands <laughs> yep, it back. Just I, that, I, I've, I've definitely seen him do that before. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, you try to do that one of my knives at the show, and I was like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait. check the pivot." And it was just the pivot was loose. Like I saw him going for the knee, and I knew what he was about to do. I was like, "Whoa, Mel, wait, wait." <laughs> yeah, that's old school, right there. That's how to get that blade center. Well, I mean, on slip joints, I think that worked just fine on some case knives, but um, it works on a lot of folders, to be honest, too. If people's like pivot tolerances are pretty loose and stuff like that, you could kind of shift the whole frame to get it to go. Yeah, you'll be, su- you'll be surprised. Huh. Sure, it's nice when you don't have to do that, though. Oh, yeah, that's the small things. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, uh, th- this was a, a long way of getting around to minnows, but um, wh- while I was making the uh, s- the slip joints. And using jig bone, jig bone comes and it's five inches long. Generally speaking, you're using about three and a half inches on a folding knife. And of course, I would, I would, you know, save. You know how it is. You know, you just save every every single thing. And I had these these squares of of jig bone, and you know, I wanted to wanted to use them. Um, you know, I had pearl, I had ivory. You know, that was the same little stubby pieces. So instead of instead of making a small knife with you know a little a little twink blade, um, I decided I'd make a, a a short and and very wide very wide knife. And the first ones I made were um, 
late 1996. Hmm. Um, and, and they were, you know, the, the, they looked like uh, a, a baby sunfish knife, you know, like a case uh, classic pattern sunfish or, you know, elephant toenail looked like a sunfish. I can and, see the resemblance to an elephant toenail for sure. I never thought about that. Yeah, well, and especially back in 1996, they they really did look like that. Um, and God, I'll tell you, you know, honest, they weren't even that good. You know, they were little lockbacks and stuff. And uh, I went to the uh, show in Las Vegas, and I took a half a dozen of them, talked it over with my wife, as a matter of fact. And I said, suppose we should take these. And... Um, and she said, yeah, and you know, it's, I had other knives on my table, but it's all anybody really wanted to look at was these little short, these little short, fat, weird things. And I explained to people, well, I made this. So it goes down into your watch fob pocket on your blue jeans. And, uh, you know, they sold them all. One went to Japan, you know, it was very cool, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's one of those times in my life when um, I shut up and listened. And I came home and I made more of those. And, um, you know, for a while, uh, for a number of years, I changed the design every year. So there's a lot of mo minnow model numbers, you know. So it starts out with a 96 and 1997. It was, you know, made a little bit better, needed a tail on it so that when you put the knife down into your watch fob pocket, you could let the little leather tail stick out and you could pull it right out. Um, and, you know, um, started making... Uh, um, uh, a little push button automatics and um, really the rest is kind of history. I'm, I'm, I'm still making them and, you know, and I get asked, you know, I, I honestly, I never started to make a, to make a small knife, you know, never did that. But um, the niche found, I found the niche or the niche found me, whatever. And, and <clears throat> excuse me. And so I have, I have made um, a little short bat knife and sold them since 1996. And I'm, it's, you know, it's what I'm going to take to Kentucky. Um, I, I also, you know, I still, I still like to make, make big knives, um, all kinds of things, but um, the minnow ended up being my um, bread and butter knife. The flagship, so and, to say. Yeah. Flagship model. Yeah. At this point, it's like an iconic model. Yeah, now, thank you. You know, now you have a similar version that's a frame lock, which I owned. Uh, I don't remember if it was called a twerp or a pipsqueak. I think it was a pipsqueak. It was a twerp. Oh, it was a twerp. Okay, <laughs> twerp. No, because I had one. Because so so when I found I found his work in uh, so to my second New York show, 2010, and like for three consecutive years, I kept coming back to his table, and he had not a the twerp. He had a longer model about a three inch blade or three and a quarter inch blade and that's what i wanted and then like year three are finally coming around every time i ended up buying a twerp and i had it for a little while uh but also during those three years i kept coming by you also had the car the car knife that i believe you built two of the one with the pop caps yeah actually 
Uh, I built 15. Oh, oh wow. Uh, 15, um, one, one of a kind, uh, different hot rods. There were uh, chop top sedans, um, roadsters, uh, kooks, um, a 57 Chevy. Um, and uh, so they were different. You they know, they yeah. definitely were. And every time you flipped one, the whole show turned around like, what the hell just happened? Wow. <laughs> yeah, when I say the whole show, like, I mean the whole show. So, was there know. a specific noise to it or something? Do you, want, do you want to explain how the whole system worked with the pop caps? So, sure. I, uh, so, um, th- these were, um, Hey, can, can I can I regress a little bit? No problem. Uh, yeah, it bounce back and forth as we talk. So it's a, yeah. So um, the first hot rod that I built, um, I, I built it. I I built it for myself because uh, I I I was at a time when when I was really rather tired of. Um, I didn't know what, to, you know, uh, like always, I didn't know what to do in, and, you know, I didn't know what to build, you know, uh, I don't know what, you know, should I do this? Should I do that? And I said, you know, and I, I, I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to make a knife that everybody's going to hate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, I know the feeling. Yeah. You know, because, you know, most of the knives, um, at that time were were very thin and um almost beautifully feminine and and i go oh man you know i i i've always had trouble competing with with everybody else you know because it's like uh, you know you kind of got to do your own thing or else you're copying somebody else and god if you're going to copy somebody else it's like you're not going to get it as good as they got it you know so, so, uh, uh, and I, I had a, I had a particular beef, um, w- with, with like at, at Blade Show, um, and they would have, you know, the art knife category, you know, in their awards, you know, and, and, you know, the, all the awards. Well, I love entering those award things, you know, cause it's, it's fun. You get to see the best knives in the show and, and, uh, and I used to enter something in the art knife. And, oh, you know, which was, I knew was a joke and I knew I was never going to win, but by God, they were going to pick it up and look at it anyway. Um, and Art Knife always went to um, the most beautifully engraved and embellished knife. And I, I asked them, I said, well, why don't engravers and embellishers have their own category? And then art knife can be for like weird, wacky stuff, you know. Well, it didn't work, so I decided I might as well make a car. And uh, as they progressed, these were big switchblades. Um, you would push on the header of the of the car, and that would make the blade fly. They were like a lever lock, and it was all hidden. And um, and these knives, they actually they weren't embellished, you know. By the time you if you took all the embellishment off of, of one of the hot rod knives, there was nothing left. You know, hmm. you take all the embellishment off of a, 
a beautifully engraved knife and you still have a knife. I think that's better though, what you did, because you made something that was, you know, its own structure. It's its own thing, not just a knife with engraving on it. You know, you kind of invented a new thing. Thank you very much. Yeah, Um, which is truly unique. Yeah, it, uh, they weren't real well received, you know. Um, I don't know. I, th- I thought it was the coolest thing ever because the wheel, yeah. like, the, so I sent a picture of the knife to the, to the group so the other two guys could check it out. The one that I saw, which was the black hot rod with the red flames. Yeah. Uh, California kid. Yep. And then you had a, <laughs> right. I think I saw two. Did you bring two to that show in New York in 2010, I think, or uh, nine? Uh, probably. Yeah. I don't remember what the other one looked like, though, but I clearly remember the black and red one. And then, um, but the wheels were fully the wheels were fully functional and in close position and open position. And you kind of roll around. You could play with it as if it was a Hot Wheels car. Uh, I wish I was looked at it back then with the eye that I have now to really inspect it. I haven't seen this knife in person since then. Hmm. They really still be the other construction going. The exposed side pipe is the lever to actuate the uh, automatic. Well, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that is pretty cool. You should yeah. definitely Phil. You should. We'll post one of these on our on our podcast Instagram. But you should definitely post some photos of these. I don't really see them on your Instagram. Um, they're not on my Instagram. Uh, some of them might. I have a Facebook group. Uh, Phil Booth, uh, knives and weird stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I I think there's some in, uh, in there. Um, yeah, I'd like to see one again. You know, I have one. I have my original. Hot rod, and uh, I had to buy it back. I sold it, you know. There you go. And, and uh, hey, it's still uh, one of the coolest customized I've seen today. You know, it that they were. Uh, thank you, thanks. You know, they were. Uh, uh, God, one of them was made entirely out of ivory. Oh, wow. uh, even the even the tires were ivory. You know, so so that you know inside it, I carved four skulls and put them on magnets so that. Uh, you know, the, the skulls would stare out. It was a chop sedan. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they were. Uh, I was, I was, uh, it, you know, I, I was, I was uh, very proud of the, the outrageous, the outrageousness of them, really. They were just very uniquely different. Especially when I saw them, it was pretty much my introduction period to the custom knife industry in itself. And then I saw just to understand, like, oh wait, people make knives with their hands, and they go for this much money, and this is all custom made, and it's possible. And then I saw that thing, like my first or second year, and I was like, huh, oh, it's kind of through a loop there. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, what were the tires made out of on that the, the that the hot rod one with the flames? Black Macarta, mm. old school, um, not paper, not linen but just uh black micarta and then um uh, blasted and they and then they would turn um flat black um and and uh, there was a lot of paint you know and since since i was since i was making something that was was uh made to be uh outrageous um i thought how cool it'd be if um if they would like, uh, you know, blow a cap. And what I mean now is, is, uh, 
where the blade st would strike the um, the spacer bar to stop, as it were. Um, now like these a things cap were, pistol. Uh, yeah, there yep. was. A, wow, now that's thinking outside the box. Yeah, that's what I meant. Where the whole show would turn around, and be like, "What just happened?" Yeah, they. Uh, um, yeah, I was using either a number ten or a number eleven uh, black powder percussion cap. Hmm. And I would I would make the nipple, put the nipple on, uh, put the the nipple would be the stop at that point, and then you would you would push the the cap on it, and if you whipped it with your wrist, um, it blow the cap. Yeah, and, that's awesome. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> it was the only time I see a maker encourage a wrist flick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> These you know things you get so the wrist. Yeah, wow. I, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I don't remember much from that. Like, I don't remember much from that show. I was like 14 years old, maybe 15, probably 14. But all I remember from that show was trying to figure out if I should buy a Strider Sabenza and that knife. I remember walking up, seeing that knife. Phil rolled it around a couple inches to the left, a couple inches to the right. And he goes, you want to see something really cool, kid? I'm like, sure. And he put a cap on there and flicked it open. And like everyone just stopped. I was like, oh, okay. That's pretty. That's legit, pretty cool. To be fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Huh. And so now you're saying you only made a obviously given the the time and materials involved, you only made a, a handful of these. Where where are they now? Do you have any idea? Did you did you keep track of them? Like like you were oh. saying, there may be pictures of them. You know, I, I hate that that idea that there are these custom knives out there that no one can see. We we always forget to take enough pictures or videos of these things. I I think I have pictures of all of them i'm not sure about the ivory one there was a gentleman in um washington that uh that bought one and uh not from me actually uh, uh i sold it to a jeweler and the jeweler sold it to him and then he contacted me and um, I may, I think he has four of them. Oh, wow. Um, and let me see, one's in Russia. Uh, a couple of them are in Illinois. Um, let me see, one's in, in uh, a friend of mine has in uh, the Detroit area. That's the titanium body 57 Chevy. That's the um, titanium. Then, wow. Uh, yeah, I can only usually find two of them online. I see one that looks like a, a five-winded coupe, like a thirty-two. Four. Oh, wait. Nope, found some more. What color? It's black. That would be the California coupe. Okay. Oh no! Is that a flipper? No, uh, it's a four-window, and it's like got red, red wheels with white line tires. White walls. Oh, the white walls, right? Okay, I'm looking at that one too. It kind of has a, a very open L looking blade shape, which kind of yeah, kind of a little bit. Same blade shape. Uh, I think I saw this one. You might have had this one at the show with the other one. Was it much smaller? Uh, yeah, it was a bit smaller, a lot narrower blade, non Damascus, just normal, just normal steels. Yes, that was that was at the end of the of that period of making those those were um it was like a full fendered you know a fat fender hot rod um and those were flippers 
Um, the rest of them were switchblades, but uh, those were flippers, and um, those were nice. You know, I just I just came across my drawings for those, and I'm looking at that, you know, and I'm going, dang, I ought to make another one of those someday, you know? <laughs> Yeah, Dude, I mean, that's, you definitely should out. just because no one's really made anything like that in the last yeah. 10 years since yeah, you have. That is unto itself. Thank you. I, I think he's looking at the one that I'm looking at on your web, on your WordPress website. Uh, there's two on the same photo under the hot rod. Mm-hmm. So these yeah, were all they were all custom one offs. You, you ever took orders for these? You just kind of made what you wanted to. Uh, I made what I wanted to. You know, I have a really, um, you know, um, I have a hard time taking orders. It it turns it turns what I love into uh, a job in in one quick heartbeat. Mm. Um, and considering that I, I, you know, I've I'm I'm 68 now, um, and I've been working since I was 14. Um, you know, I tell people, you know, when people want minnows, um, I tell them, you know what, the best thing that you can do is just let me go and and I'll build what I think is the best thing that I can build with the best um, materials. And, uh, you know, I, you know, and, and uh, you know, but, you know, if, I, don't, I don't know how, uh, I don't know how guys guys can do that you know work out of a out of a book um you know i i like to i like to build and and i also like the freedom of um deciding that you know you you get you get that wild hair in your butt and and you decide that my god i'm i think i'll make a hot rod knife and and you know if you've got a book of of orders you never get to make that hot rod knife, you know. You're filling orders, and and so uh, you know, you know. I don't, you know. Uh, don't you, you know? You guys all hear about uh, knife makers, you know, that that uh, really successful ones, you know. Um, and sorry about that. Um, and. And, you know, they have like a, you know, they say, oh, I got a five-year backlog, you know, and, and I, that just blows me away because I don't know what I'm going to be building in five years. You know, mm. I don't know. You know, I, I'm going to let myself go and I'll be building what I, what I hope, you know, what I want to build in five years. Right. You know? Have some creativity, you know, like not uh, pigeonholed into a, what, what, making yeah. the same thing over and over. When knife makers tell me they have a fire backlog, I just call them liars that don't know how to estimate time. <laughs> yeah, it's like when you, when you put through the math, it's like you, you got five years worth of work. How'd you factor that in? Like, I was like, yeah. very slow knife making. Yeah, it's like what are you? Incredibly what are you making? slow. No, I work. I work off books, but that's just because I like the comfort, like of like financial comfort, and that way it's like, oh, if I finish this, I'm gonna get paid, and. Right, like right now, I just finished my books. And I'm kind of like all those those twenty two hours on the bench are like no books, and like that makes me feel uncomfortable. 
And I decided this way around now that I have someone that works with me. So we took the 22 knives. We set lock and detent on all of them. And what I think I'm going to do is now do a pre-order. And this way it's like just quick turnaround since they're already all tuned up. I just have to just do finish them based on the order. Uh, but I do, like in the beginning when there was not on books, I do miss not like just making stuff, whatever I want to once in a while. Like I try to every 10th knife or so. But then again, just bills are so expensive. I can't always take the chance to just build something that's one-off. Mm. You gotta let yourself flex, man. Yeah, well, we talk about that all the time, though. It is what it is. You know, I... Uh, um, you know, like like all knife makers, you know, um, as soon as you, you start making knives and you realize that, that there's a market and, you know, um, you want to be a full-time knife maker, uh, I, I was I was one of those those kind of guys that all the way through my life I I worked various jobs and um, uh, my various jobs also supported my art because um, I'm a painter and a printmaker uh, also um, and and so I was kind of always uh, you know a part time a part time maker. Um, you know, because you got to have a job, you got to, you know. Um, so so uh, I worked my way out of out of a job and into full time knife making in two thousand. Um, eased my way out of a job, and then uh, I hit it hard. You know, I was grinding knives and you know making going to a lot of shows and you know traveling a lot, working hard. Um, and you know. A- a- after five years, um, it, it took me, the, I don't know if it took me that long, you know, but uh, uh, I, I, f- I, what I figured out about myself is that I was too social to spend that much time alone in my shop. And, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the best for me. Um, I worked very hard. I never made enough money to, I mean, you know, let's be honest here. Um but my wife had a career and, and uh, uh, you know, I'd give her all the credit in the world. You know, she might be the reason I got to make hot rods. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's well, good, you know. Good to have a team. You know, that's important. It's, it's, yes, it is. Yes, it is. So, uh, you know, I, I uh, sure, I just lost my train of thought. Damn. Uh, I talk about how long hours, being alone, pretty yes. much lonely. But yes. I feel you. I feel you on that one. I have no, no windows in my shop. Just the day goes on. The sun goes up and down. I don't even realize it. That's 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 hard work, Nick. Yeah, you we're know? just kind of left there in our own madness. Yeah. So I uh, so I was reading my my local newspaper and uh, the hardware store uptown needed part time help. Um, and now, my when I say my town, I live in Ithaca, in Ithaca, Michigan. It's uh, twenty five hundred people, um, and it's a it's a farm community. You know, if it's not woods around here, it's cornfields and bean fields. Um, and uh, you know, it's a nice, you know, safe small town. And this is the same hardware store, of course, that I've been buying and charging stuff for the last, you know, twenty years. And so I went up to the hardware store and and uh, put in my application because I knew everybody. Um, 
and uh, and and I told him, oh, I I told, I told I said, hey Gordon, I said, uh, yeah, I said, well, I'll take the job, and and he says, well, Phil, he says, I, I can't offer it to you until you know we got four more days, and I said, well, okay, I said, but you know, if you offer me the job, I'm coming to work, and. Yeah. And uh, so I waited, you know, I walked home. I mean, you know, we're talking about three blocks, you know. So I walked home. It was a sunny day. Walked back on into my shop. I'm looking around there and going, God, it's pretty dirty down here. You know, and I'm going, yep, guess what? I flipped the lights off because I knew I was going to get the job. They called me up. I got the job. Uh, And I went to work three days a week, 10 hours a day. Um, and, And, man... You know, all of a sudden, you know, had cash that came in every single week. I got to work three days. I got to see every human being. I knew everything that was going on. Working on working in a hardware store can be, you know, a lot of fun if you're a hardware kind of guy. I did the same thing part time when I first started making knives, actually. So I, I know what you mean. You know, and it was uh, instantly, um, you know, uh, uh, the. The artwork in my knives uh, was raised, you know. I wasn't making knives for money. All of a sudden, you know. I mean, I'm sure that there were, you know, at that time now, understand, I had a list of people that I was supposed to make knives for. I don't think any of them got them, you know. God bless them if they're out there listening. You know, I, you know, I owe you. But, but that's just the way it went. Yeah. So, so uh, uh, then, uh, you know, working part-time at that store, and working in my shop, my knives got better. Uh, and I was able to do, um, I don't know, it's just, it was happier and it was better, you know. Um, of course, six and a half years later, the hardware store did close. Okay, you know, uh, but you know, I was 60 and, and uh, um, so I'm back to full time. There you go. I mean, that's that's sometimes that's important to have to sort of have a break to step away from something, not not fully, but to take a take a step back to get perspective on on whatever craft you're doing or or whatever it is you're doing and and get perspective on it. it helps you sort of refresh. Well, it sure did me, you know, it it was good for me and learned a lot. And, you know, so, yeah, I'm I'm a happy guy. So. If I can, if I can step back just a, just a second, um, the the automatic thing. The, how did you go about uh, learning or or teaching yourself how to how to make automatics? You, you were talking about going to a class of of Mel Pardue's, um, and then you made you made scale release minnows. Um, how did you how did you figure out the scale release mechanism? Was that was that a a switchblade? Um, what's the right term for it? How, how did how'd you go about that? Uh, I have been addicted to switchblades like uh, all my life. Uh, I had a friend whose dad brought him back a switchblade, and this is when I was, you know, eight or ten. And uh, my buddy had to take that knife out of my hands because I would just click, 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 click. You know, I was I was a junkie from the first. Um. So, uh, in uh, 1995, I went to Bob Cargill. 1997, I went to Mel Pardue. 
that class was just full of uh, switchblade information. You know, even if we weren't doing it, everybody was talking about it and, uh, you know, drawings and everything. And then in 1999, uh, I did take a switchblade class again down in um, Arkansas at the, you know, Washington School there, the ABS school. Um, and Daryl Ralph taught that. Uh, wow. and that was, that was a smaller class and, uh, well, that one was fun. You know, we, we had a good time. Daryl's a, yeah. Uh, and, uh, so then I learned like, uh, how to do that, you know, how to do everything better. Okay. than the kind of the crude stuff I was doing. So when early on, I knew that I wanted to. Um, uh, build scale release knives, switchblade knives. Um, and went to a show in, um, well, this was, uh, don't know the year, but it's before I actually did a show. This is back when I was making hunting knives, like everybody, you know, and sewing the leather. Uh, went to a show in Detroit to see what other knife makers, you know, what that really looked like. And, um, uh, you know, and of course, you know, same story that everybody has. I was blown away by the craftsmanship, you know, it was crazy. And I met, uh, Chuck Stewart, uh, switchblade maker from, from the Detroit area. Uh, and, you know, he showed me what a scale release knife was and, and, uh, they were the most beautiful things I'd ever seen, you know, stainless steel inlaid with abalone. And, you know, and I'm holding this knife and, and I'm opening it, you know, closing it, opening it. And, uh, you know, looking at my crappy ass hunting knives that I laid on his table, for God's sakes. And, uh, you know, and I said, wait a minute. I said, now, how, how much for this knife? And he said, 750 bucks. And I said, you make your living making, making knives like this? And he goes, well, yes, I do. And I set that knife on the table and I'm going, holy shit, man, I'm in. You know, I was Sold. that was right. you know, that that was it. And uh, uh, later on, um, after selling a whole bunch of those crappy uh, hunting knives, um, I, I took my little my tiny wad of money, and I went out to the uh, wife and I went out to Las Vegas, and uh, did not do the show, but attended um, the Las Vegas Classic. I think it was called at the time. It was in the Flamingo, and. Uh, Whiskers Allen, you know, you knew this guy, Mike Whiskers. Yeah, yeah. yeah Mike was there. And I, I met him and I was looking at his knives and uh, um, I, I, I bought one of his knives um, and uh, came home with a with one of his scale release knives. All, you know, all um, screw construction, you know, Chuck would, you know, hard pinned everything, you know, made a pain in the ass. Um, but this was, uh, uh, Mike's was, was, uh, you know, all screwed together and I kept it and still have it as a matter of fact. Um, and then I, uh, I called on the phone and, uh, I talked to his wife and I explained to her who I was and she wasn't going to go out and get Mike cause he was working. And I, you know, and I said, uh, just want to know if you'd. You know, will he uh, show me a drawing on, on, you know, explain to me how he makes these since I already bought one from him. And I'll tell you what, 
I don't know how long it was. It was a while, you know, month probably. I, I got a handwritten letter from, from Whiskers uh, with little drawings and stuff explaining to me how to wind the, the spring and, you know, how to do this and tighten this and, you know, set it up this way. And, and uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those... Uh, one of those little treasure things that I that I uh, I have that I uh, I mean that I still have you know I keep it with the knife you know it's the coolest thing you know and that was really the beginning of me making scale release knives I took his knife apart copied the shit out of it you know you know you know had to know that was coming and uh, taught myself how to make those wow. Um... That I mean, that's a pretty intense. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Whis- Whiskers Allen is like a, a key a key part of um, Switchblade history that that I've been trying to piece together for for a little bit. Um, certainly a, a relatively important piece. I mean, his designs are still used today in in name by um, by Protec um, with his bolster release. Oh wait, that's him. Yeah, that's that's Whiskers. The Whiskers. Yeah. That's Whiskers Allen. Oh. That's Dave Silly. That's the thing. That's that Whiskers Allen is a very. That's part of that. So, did you ever go to his shop? Were Were you able to, or you just you just went for it from, from a letter? Wow. Yeah. A letter and a tracing. Uh, out of curiosity, do you make the smallest uh, side opening automatic? I'm looking at a picture of the internals on one of yours right now. I don't know if it's the smallest, but uh, some of them are pretty small. Mm-hmm. The the minnow's got to be the smallest uh, scale release um, for sure. Definitely one of the smallest I've seen. Um, yeah, it might be. It, you know, with scale release, um, you can only you know. Um, well, it's way easier to make a big scale release than it is a small one. Right. Because you have so much more geometry to deal with, and uh, you know, get really deep set locks, and and uh, um, you know, now uh, I, I, well, I'm an honest guy here, you, you know, and the scale releases that I'm making now, I'm getting uh, help water jet cut parts, and. Let me tell you how much easier that makes it when your locks, you know, your locks going to fit up. Um, I'm very familiar. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and yeah, everybody's doing that, and and you know, I'm an old guy, you know, and and uh, you know, it took me a while before I thought that maybe it, I wanted to do that, and uh, oh man, you know, it it makes it makes the knife so much better, you know. Yeah, I just going going about that by hand completely trying to make a scale release is just that seems like a nightmare it's a lot of tuning and fiddling then to replicate it and keep making them like that yeah yeah i made a uh i used to make two blade scale releases too i've seen pictures of that double-ended ones yeah model 27 yep yeah, that's the minnow. Those are those are not. You know what? The the twenty seven. Now that's a push button. Oh. Uh, uh, anyway, I can't tell by the photo. Are both blades automatic on that one? Because I only see one button. There, it's on. Yeah, it's sides. on the other side. Yeah. Okay, because the photo is not two sided. Yes. Yeah, it's it's really just um, a two sided knife. 
you know, on those on those knives when I have the two blades come out opposite ends, um, I start out with a with a thick blade, um, and and then you know grind half of each blade away so that they will nest in the same spot. Hmm. And um, I've done a, a number of knives like that. It's kind of cool, you know. I saw. I also, um... You you did a double karambit, didn't you? With where the blade is an auto and then the ring is an auto. Yes, sir. I did two of them. Two of them. The wow. Blade yeah. is an auto and the yeah. ring is an auto. The ring pops. It's like a double ender, except it's oh, a karambit, the ring so it's, actuated yeah, too. Yeah, it's it's logical yeah. because the blade fires and the ring fires, which is super. I don't. That's super simultaneously neat. or individually. I, I would imagine individually, Phil. Individually. Okay, I was, I, was, I was like, wait, if, how did you make that work both simultaneous? Okay, that's, I, so I didn't see that. Okay. This this early automatic work, this must have all been just leaf springs, right? Or, or you're saying you, you were winding springs? Uh, I made uh, an off, most were coil springs, winding oh, wow. okay. coil springs. Um, they, um, let me see, how do I, um, so I'm looking at, um, a leaf spring that kind of looks like um, a lockback, I guess, with a leaf spring. It has a little bail on it. It's a, it's a, on his on his Instagram, he has a a middle picture that's half open. Let me see. I'm gonna go to all my Instagram. Can I it's do that? It's May six, twenty seventeen. Feel free to follow along at home. Grab your phone yeah. and take a look. Let's see here. Get some scrolling I'm, fingers are working. Uh, it's it's really easy to find. Alright, so... It's on the right side. A little bit down. Oh, sure. I put it on an airplane so it wouldn't make noise. Now right. it's going to work. Yeah, it's a little the masks man with a bell. You have one of the scales off of it. It kind of looks like it's a lockback almost. Yeah, it looks like a lockback. Uh... I, I, don't, I think that's a leaf spring. It will be called leaf spring. It's just a little metal flat bar with the tapered end shoved into the backspacer and then pushing against the lockback. Or, or yes. that might just be a lockback. If that, uh, actually, I think that's just a lockback. Uh, it's on the right side. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all silver. It's got a bail on the back of it. Yes. No, that is... Ah, oh, man. How did I do that? No, that is a scale release. Oh, it is. Okay, because yes. I can't. It kind of looks like a lockback mech, but then okay. But the the way I'm making a scale release now, um, you you see the the hole um, right up above, you know, uh, these the back spring there. Yes. Okay, so you're gonna put the liner on on this knife, and then there's gonna be a screw that's gonna go right down into that hole. Oh, so is the show side pinned? And that actuates. It's yes, and so you're, oh. you're going to slide the back of the knife up and down, and it's going to raise the lock, mm. and then That's the blade fires. That's uh, well, that was that was the way that um, Mike Whiskers Allen's Allen did that. So you're actuating the lock back by moving the scale. Now, is there a coil on the other side of the blade that's not that's not visible? 
That's exactly right. Yes. Oh, oh okay. So I got the home deck now. Okay. Yeah. The, the that, spring, that the spring like... holds tension on the scale, and then the the coil is what actually fires the blade. Mm-hmm. So it's like right. it's more of a return. It's like a return spring, essentially, that yeah. like pushes the scale back. Without knowing that there's a coil on the other side of that blade, it just looks like a lockback mech. I I but... think the 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 BRs from Protech are they're they're still pretty much the same. Um, I, I haven't seen that picture you're referencing, but I've seen many of the inside of a. Yeah, uh, so from, essentially the show side is just held down by the pivot, and then that one screw that goes into what would be the lock back bo- lock back bar, or the lock bar. It doesn't go into the 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 actual backspacer. Okay, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, that's exactly right, Nick. You know, that's 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 how it works, and and uh, um, they are. Uh, it's one of my favorite knives. You know, I I used scale release all the way. Um, when I was driving the mail, you know, you have to have a knife. Uh, well, you got to have a knife anyway, whether you're driving the mail or, um, but also in the, the hardware store, hmm. you know, and, and, uh, I, I liked it because, you know, you could take your knife out of your pocket, open it, cut the rope, cut the string, cut the whatever, you know, uh, close it on your, on your leg and put it away. Nobody ever knew that it was a switchblade anyway. Right. No, scale release is a extremely uh, it's efficient way to open a knife. You just pull it out and actuate it. It's great. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking at one on your Instagram right now. We are talking about I don't know if we're talking about this one. If not, it's the Mister Shifter. Oh yeah, because that thing looks very interesting. Mister Shifters. Mister. Uh, uh, let me see. I wonder where that is. See if I can find that. Uh, looks I like mean, you got some lightning strike on there, and this weird inlay, and then something looks like a ceramic ball with a device. Is it the is it the red frame? the red ceramic ball? No, it's white. yeah. Oh, that's the first one. Yeah, it looks like you got a sandwich blade on there. Um, the first one is uh, first one. It's a red ball. Okay, that's the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I don't, was like before. I, I thought it was like supposed to be like an arcade machine or something. The um, red ball's on the left side. It's January seventh, two thousand sixteen. The mask is blade. It's like a dagger grind. Yes. Yes. And uh, the the Mister Shifter is um, so you push you push that, and what that that's going to do is it will raise up the lock bar and the blade will fly. So there again, this is a uh, lock back knife, you know, with, um, it's like a double lock back, you know, it's like a lock back to keep it open, like a lock back. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lug as you close the knife, the, the, the lock will fall into the lug on the bottom side of the blade and it holds it tight. So hmm. do you slide that ball with the apparatus yep. thing? Yep. Yep. So you slide it up. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, it, and it pushes, you know, uh, eighth inch, you know, quarter of an inch, and it and it pushes, you know, it's, it, you can see the screw, and it's hooked to the, yeah, those were fun. I haven't done one of those in a while. Yeah, because you I got like, like a, a uh, like kind of like an overlay inlay thing, but it like kind of hovers out there. Yeah, it's why it's it, floating. Uh, yep. Very yep. cool. Yeah, they were fun. I did. I, I think I've done three Mister Shifters. All uh, of those. I see the other one. He he was talking about the fifty six Nomad, I guess, with the red uh, lightning strike yeah. carbon fiber. Hmm. Yes, 
So I take it that comes from a, a shifter in a car, like a cue ball shifter, right? Yes, it is. That's pretty cool. Yeah, those were almost hot rod knives, but not, you know, not really. But, but you know, yeah, they were fun, too. Um, let me see. There's another knife. Uh, I don't know. How do you find that dates? Oh, April 20th of 2016. Let's see here. So when you were um, hand-winding coils, was that like a... You, you must have been using like a small, like almost round bar for them, right? Um, and then heat treating that steel, or was it naturally sprung steel? So it's it's uh, naturally sprung steel. It is... Um, I use music wire and, mm. you know, like piano wire and mm. um, by the uh, the correct uh, diameter, you know, and the coil springs that I make run between 22 and, and I think I got up to 33 thousands. But thus that wire is um, it's it's already, you know, and I don't know, honestly, I don't know if it's heat treated or if it's. It's work hardened and drawn, oh, okay. but but um, yeah, you uh, um, wrap it around a bolt. You know, I mean the shank of a of a bolt, um, and you make a coil, and um, yeah, um, and you you do it tight. I st- I still I still wrap most of my. Um, most of my springs, you know, oh, wow. there are there are a lot of store bought springs. Yeah, but but uh, and I use those too. Um, but I, most most store bought springs um, hit a little hard for me, you know. And um, you know, I, I I well, I don't like overpowered switchblade. You know, okay. and I, I see them and, you know, it, you know, it reminds me of, um, you know, or well, everybody, you know, used to hang second gear, you know, you slam your car into second gear. <laughs> um, and I mean, you know, I mean, you know, you're yeah, a kid, sure. you gotta, you gotta do that. Right. Um, and you know, it ain't gonna, it ain't gonna hurt that transmission, <clears throat> you know, once or twice, but my God, you. You hang second gear every time it hits second, and you're going to wreck something. And it's the same with the overpowered switchblade; they will beat themselves up. Um, there's there's so, a lot of torque involved there. It's true. <clears throat> yes, you know. And so I, uh, uh, I, I wind my own. It, it, uh, it's, it's. First of all, it's, it's not hard, but it has to be. Um, they have to be wound right. So yeah, making the spring is um, it. You know, I, I just when I sit down to make springs, you know, I make ten or fifteen of them. Probably half of them um, make the cut, you know, and the rest of them are are you know they're funny this way or they're funny or they got a gap or whatever. And, now, what does the spring look? Is it like a dog leg spring where uh, you got two bars going off each end, or is it bent? In kind of like an L at the end, it's bent at an L at the end, mm-hmm. and then um, so you have uh, holes drilled in the blade in the frame instead of slots. There's a there's one slot in the bolster, and then there's one hole in the blade. 
gotcha. See, I never con- I, so I'm trying to design a, a button release automatic myself right now, but I never contemplated making my own springs. Uh, I essentially just got different springs and whichever one I'm going to end up using, just take the spring manufacturer and have them make the spring. Never really thought about trying getting some piano wire making it myself. I got I got to try that. <clears throat> um, if you're doing a run though, Nick, it'd be really nice to to have the spring made for you. Yeah, right now I have uh, some Protec and some Kershaw springs, and that's what I'm kind of messing with. Mm-hmm. But just Most for, of- but they're limiting because they're it's the one size, right? Yeah, there's three sizes on the market. There's there's three eighths, seven sixteenths, and uh, half inches. Mm-hmm. And it takes a half inch for um, for a big knife. But yeah, but it, I never thought about the piano wire. Just, just for if, like, a, there's a prototype in the future, like an odd size thing. Just, it's something to consider for prototyping at least. I don't, I don't make really that a piano that. wire. It's pretty yeah. neat. It's good to know. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I'm not sure if it's um, quote unquote piano wire. Uh, it's sold as music wire. Mm-hmm. You know, so it could, it, you know, uh, a little bit hey, of mystery involved. Yeah, you know, I, I don't. <laughs> Uh, I don't play guitar, but, um, you know, a guitar string, not one of those that's wrapped, you know, not like a bass string, you know, mm-hmm. but but the solid metal string, you know, if that sucker's about 30,000, that'll make a good spring. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's piano wire, because I've seen piano wire, guitar wire, and piano wire is a bit stiffer. Okay. And a bit thicker. The guitar wire is a lot it's a lot looser. The guitar string is, is not has no spring tension to it at all. Yeah, it just kind of it's it, it especially the thin strings. Oh, okay. Well, if they don't have any any, then it's got to be piano wire. Oh yeah, they're real loose. I mean, they come wrapped in in circles, and you just unwrap them and string them up, and yeah, they're. I mean, a bass wire maybe. Yeah, but bass wires but are still. Coiled. Yeah, in the inner inner uh the core of it, but still, you're it's like flimsy. It's not. Well, it's a, it's good to know like for, for future stuff. Make you can probably was, make uh, something. What was the reception like uh, the first couple times that you brought switchblades to shows from from other makers or from clientele? <laughs> uh, well, it was good, you know, because the the uh, our government was telling us that that. Uh, well, you can't have one of those. And so there were, you know, a number of uh, knife makers that, uh, uh, you know, were, were just law-breaking guys, I guess. And Mel Pardue uh, being one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear <laughs> you about know? Mel? Do you know Mel Pardue's story of him getting kicked out of the show in California when he made his first, like, frame lock flipper? No. Yeah, I guess they thought it was like an automatic or something. Yeah. Oh, so Mel made a, a fr- like Mel's like when apparently Mel's one of the first guy to do a flipper. Uh, I, I think he said in the early '90s or late '80s, and he brought it to the California Custom Life show back then. And they almost arrested him. They kicked him out of the show because California automatics are very illegal, and they accused him of making an automatic knife for the show. And like they wouldn't believe him that it was not an automatic knife. It was just a flipper with a stiff detent. Hmm. And they were they were ready to put him in handcuffs. They were like kicking him out of the show, and like he had to like take it apart and like explain to them that it's not an automatic knife because like no one's ever really seen the flipper back then. 
something sure. that just snapped open like that. <clears throat> so I, I guess the laws are worse back then than they are now. The laws now are uh, changing quickly. Mm. What used to be uh, illegal in Michigan is is now completely legal. You know, they um, it's uh, you know our knife rights guys. You know, there's knife rights and there's um, what's the other one? Um, American Knife and Tool Institute. Oh yeah, AKCI. Uh, yeah, and and both of those groups uh, are working to get these laws these laws changed and um you know none of the states in the midwest uh had legal switchblades but uh, you know um michigan does wisconsin does you know this is it's a changing thing you know they're they're just they're going after old and archaic laws and and uh, and they're doing a good job you know but i tell you now um all the way through the the 2000s there uh it was it was really easy to uh uh make a uh a, a switchblade knife <clears throat> make it pretty take it to a show and sell it mm. because you know guys say well isn't that illegal and you'd have to say well um i would give them the oh well it's a gray area <laughs> it's a little iffy, but uh, it depends on the end user. That's always uh If no one's the know. wiser, you'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's for and, collectors, you know, it's fine. That's right. You know, and I would I would tell people as well. You know what? Here's the deal. You know, uh, a switchblade knife in the, in the pocket of an 18 year old kid that's had a few beers and gets pulled over by the cops is a bad thing. You know, if if you know I. I'm I'm 68. You know, cop cook pulls me over, and he looks at the knife. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not gonna get. They're not gonna do much. You know, right. you know, they're gonna say, "Don't you know better?" And I'd say, "Uh, well, I do now." <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, it's it's perception. It's the the placement of the item. You know, at the wrong period or wrong time can certainly garnish unwanted attention. Yes. Yeah, like I carry a little automatic. Uh, it's convenient at the shop, and I just like to play with it. But like, I was always hoping if that ever happens, I'm like, hey, I made it. I'm a knife maker. Like, here's my card. You need some knife sharpen? I got you, officer. Like, start start playing that that card. Nick immediately starts to bribe the cop. Nice. That's oh, good. I, all yeah. the local cops oh, in my area, on my shop, I sharpen all their knives. So I, like, I, I have this card, sir. I have this card. Here's my card. Um, you need knife sharpen? I got you. <laughs> You know what? Ch- chances are that that uh, that officer is going to want going to want that knife. You know, well, I want a knife like that. Well, sure you do. Everybody wants a knife like that. But it was it was uh, um, it was easy to go to a, a a knife show and and sell you know four and five hundred dollar really pretty Swiss blades. It was an easy sell, you know, because you could tell a guy, well, yeah, you're not supposed to have that because the government says you're not supposed to. First thing they do is they go for their wallet. Well, by God, if they say I can't have it, take my then, money. Then it must be great. I've got to have it. There you go. I mean, switchblades have always been sort of, you know, they're becoming less of a faux pas, certainly. But the sure, certainly, uh, a about that. yeah, the the more interesting and and gray areas. It's a it's a it's a nice area to exist in. You know, um, 
Especially right for those knives with spring. Now, yeah. have you have you made any uh, dual actions? You know, I did. Um, it's been a while now. Um, I made a number of uh, d- double action knives. You know, not very many. Um, you know, uh, there's there's. I think that. Uh, you know, you can make some really good high tech ones that that work, that work real well. Um, man, Matt Disson does a scale release, double action scale release. I don't know how he does it. They're fabulous knives. Diskin. Uh huh. Yeah, the uh, Revolution. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, they're yeah. all right. Yeah, <laughs> Matt, I know yeah. you're listening out there. <laughs> yeah, Matt was one. How Matt was have? on one of the episodes earlier. Oh. Yeah, Matt's a good guy. Yeah, we're all we're all pretty familiar with Matt. I had one the same year I bought your twerp was I think the year that I bought Matt's fire. Oh, okay. Pretty sure I think he was like right he was like right behind you or something like that. It was uh I think twenty it's either twenty ten, twenty eleven, or twenty twelve. I think it's probably twenty eleven. Yeah, sounds right. Yeah, Matt Matt might be responsible for putting that word into the uh, common lexicon. It was fire. Wasn't that a big thing at that show? Oh yeah, well, because he, he showed up to the show with like twenty of them, and they were three hundred and fifty bucks. And like, this is like before the knowledge that people had of like what that thing was, and they oh, saw it's automatic. a custom knife, uh, something like that. It was finished cool, lightning strike carbon fiber, which was really in back then. And uh, what happened was, me and Jeff Blavel bought one, and we just literally walked around the show and like showing it to everyone. And one after the other, I was like, oh, where'd you get that? And just kept pointing it to Matt. <laughs> Selling them for Matt. And yeah, and by the end of the that show, guy, like, ever, like, pretty much he sold out. Everyone bought one. Should have took like, a Whoa. fee. I'm surprised you didn't ask for a fee, Nick. <laughs> uh, no, it was like, a cool knife. Yeah, no, yeah, it, it, was, it was probably more Jeff than me who really was showing it through. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, sure sometimes the twerp. That, that works. So yeah, Phil. I guess you're one of the few that has made a, a dual action and can has the knowledge. Oh, it! <clears throat> I was never real. Uh, it was never one of those things that that I liked a lot. Um, so, somehow I thought it was a lot of a lot of pressure on the. I don't know. Not much of a of a pin that's holding the spring and. They were decidedly hard to to make, or at least uh, hard the way that I was I was making them. Um, and I, I thought it was a lot of a lot of fiddling around, and and you know I just I just liked a single action uh, switchblade. You know, I just mm-hmm. you know don't want to hide it. Don't want to. Yeah, that's what it is. You know. Push the button and blam, the blade goes out. Because it's fun. Yeah. It certainly is. No, I mean, like, ever since I met Jeremiah, like, especially within the last year, I've been kind of pretty infatuated with automatics again. Like, I started collecting knives because of them again. I sold off my whole collection like five, six years ago. And it's like the last two years, I have about 10 automatics now. And now I kind of want to build some. Every new knife that Nick gets is an automatic. Yeah, well, I got the automatic side opener, button locks, uh, dual actions, and OTFs nowadays. I carry them all to work because everywhere else in New York will get me arrested. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I've never made an out the front. You know, yeah, I've that's all, a whole I, different ball game. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I've, I, I, I own a couple, you know, but they're cheap ones. You know what they are, the NATO military and, you know, all that stuff that came out in the 80s or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I like the sound of the switchblade. You know, I like that schnick in in uh, the sound of the of the uh, polished and hardened steel. You know, smacking. I just, you know, it's 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 just to me a great sound that an out the front doesn't have. You know, out the fronts are ba. You know, they're badass, but they they don't have the classic schnick. Yep. And uh, yeah. There, we like go. there it is. Yes. There, there's something pretty pleasing about it. I mean, it's definitely uh, yes, it, it's I, satisfying as hell. I, I agree. You know, it's it's a funny. Um, it's it's nice. You know, I I you know I like it. You know, it's definitely fun and to that, play with and fidget with. You know, was hard... it... <laughs> sorry, Phil. Oh, oh that's, that's all right. No, uh, you know Harley Davidsons have have sold millions of motorcycles, and uh, you know, quite honest, you know, a lot of it's the sound. You know, oh yeah. You know, I can't, I can't think of a of a. Uh, you know, it's it's just it's recognizable. You know, if you're a gearhead kind of a guy, it's a beautiful sound. Especially on a knucklehead. Oh, gee. Yeah, all of them really, but yeah, the old ones are, you know, they're just, it's it's just, it's just a beautiful sound. Yeah. And so, uh, Swiss blades are, just, you know, they don't sound like a Harley, you know, but still, you know. I hear, I hear that noise every day. They opened up a, a Harley dealership down in the service center down the street from my shop now. So, like, I go in there, like, every couple of weeks, so they drive up and down the street all day. Of course, that that original sound was just the engine killing itself and the new ones are just tuned to sound like that but that's, <laughs> that's neither here nor there yeah you gotta uh, the tighten up the bolts on it like every week yeah. Yeah. the, the, en- the engine the engine timing involved to make a potato 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 is really just <laughs> that's that's the engine timing all screwed up and and yeah that's conversation for another time but yeah, yeah. <laughs> nonetheless um how do you time a motorcycle engine <laughs> Yeah, you'd be potato, surprised. Potato, potato. Yeah, the new one. Yeah, <laughs> the new ones have to sound like that, or else no one would buy them. But they don't have to sound like that. The original ones just sounded like that because the the engines were just like tolerances and, and timing were, were not what they are now. So that oh yeah, they were thrown of, together in a garage. Yeah, but romantic nonetheless. But That's right. Plates. Um. All right, so so wow, so yeah, absolutely, a, a a forever love of automatics till this day. You're still making the minnow, um, in in scale release. You you still make these knives. You're you're making them now to bring to Kentucky. Yes, yes, I am. Wow. So now let's talk about a little bit more more, more modern stuff. Now recently, last couple of years, you got some collaborations going with TRKT. Yes. Yes. So, uh, you got about two or three models with them, I think. So it's three models. 
Um, and they all have your like signature mid bolster. What, what do you call that? A lot of most of your, a lot of your frame or line lock designs, uh, you usually have material on top, material on bottom, and that little bolster strip in the middle. Yes. Um, this the stripe is, um, it, you know, the, the stripe is just is pure design. Um, I, I liked to, I still like to, um, I like to parallel all my lines. I like the 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 plunge grind on my blade to parallel the the stripe, you know, that has been inlaid into the Hannah material. That's that's important to me, you know. Oh, um, I never realized that. I'm looking at that now. Yeah, you know, and and you know, it's it's uh, quite honest. It doesn't make it a better knife, you know. It just it's just one of those things that. You know that uh, that I can I can do. You know. Yeah, but it's something that speaks to me. Like, oh, that's a, that's a Philip Booth. Like that, that's signature. It's what well, it's signature. Yeah, it's what I yeah. I consider that one of your signature parts of your design, like the spider coil hole. Yes. Yes. And yeah, that the, the... that rip snort cleaver that that you do with CRKT that you did that as an auto for a while, right? I have done autos in those that began its life as a um liner lock frame lock Mm. um but but uh uh through the years i have learned that that uh those 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 my flippers will also make a pretty darn nice automatic cut you know you you get rid of that flipper tab and you you know you build a mechanism and and uh, um you know i use for the backspacer, uh, instead of using a backspacer, that's going to be the spring. Hmm. They work pretty good. Go. They look cleaner too with a flipper tab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just get rid of the, you know, because the the geometry is is all the same, you know. And then you you end up with a um, with with a, a a lever release or or some kind of a release and uh, a liner lock. And and that's a strong knife, you know, because liner locks are, well, you know, they're, you know, everybody knows, you know, that's that's good stuff. And then you mix that with a with with a spring and a mix that with a with a uh, a spring and a release, and and uh, you got a very cool switchblade. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, you know the. Uh, um, as a matter of fact, the littlest of the um, Columbia River knives is the Snicker, and uh, that's their version of my twerp. Oh, okay. Look at that right here. Yeah, so. yeah, that's that's my twerp, you know. And then uh, there's a Snarky, um, but you know, it's it's uh, it's the Rip Snort that's the good seller, and. Hmm. You know, they've done another run of it. Matter of fact, matter of fact, uh, if you go to Columbia River's website uh, and buy it from them, they have uh, they did a run of rip snorts with a D2 blade. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is pretty fun. Rip snorts are are. Uh, we're by far the 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 best selling of of all three of those knives hmm. um yeah Columbia river is uh is a very good 
um, and, and, and easy kind of a company to deal with, you know, they're, they're great guys and, and, uh, you know, they do a good job for, uh, you know, they're, you get a lot of bang, for, you get a lot of bang for your buck from a Columbia river, you know, without being too expensive, you know, they make a lot of 50 and 60 buck knives and they're good knives. Yeah, no, I mean, there's definitely, there's a, there's a huge value there. And I mean, it's awesome to, um, it, you know, it's, 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 it is important for those companies to exist and, and translate, you know, custom designs for, from you and from other makers, transfer those designs into the hands of people who otherwise, you know, honestly just might not have the cash to front for, for a knife like that, but still it's cool for them to enjoy, you know, an interpretation of a custom knife design, you know, at, at an amazing value, to be honest, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice River. Yep. You know, and they've been fun to work with. You know, I keep firing them off designs. Um, they don't accept them all, though. You know, <laughs> this was yeah. pretty neat. Uh, it's not really a name for it. You made it for Kentucky in 2016. 2016. It's kind of a your butcher, but like a small one. Um, just. Just short and stout. There's not really anything about it. Is that? Oh, it's uh, a, is it a red lightning strike handles? It's like an inch and a quarter blade. It's like looks like the but the the butcher beaver or, or uh, cleaver beaver. I'm not sure what you call the other one. Beaver cleaver. Yeah, so it looks like a tiny beaver cleaver. <laughs> what are we talking about here? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you like, uh, Elijah. Okay, so that is a that is a uh, um, a push button automatic minnow that I I put a cleaver blade on. Also hmm. has an old school scale release mechanism. Why be normal and KYCKS bound? It does flow nice with the. Uh, oh, is that the, the red handle one? Yeah, it has the the red the red uh, lightning strike carbon fiber. Yes, it has a, a pretty big finger coil in the handle. Yes, yes, yes. That is a one-off knife. Yeah, I've um, never seen it besides here. No, nope. so and I I made that to go to the show, and I'm sure if I went down in my basement, um. I, I would probably find the 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 drawing and and uh, maybe even um, a jig pattern to to draw around. Oh wow, it's pretty neat. When the handle is very symmetrical looking, the the front of the bolster and the back of the handle very similar. The peak in the middle and the the, the choil is like right in the middle of the handle. Yep, that was a cool knife. It's a pretty cool I design. Make, I should make some more of those. <laughs> There we go. I'll, say. I'll, I'll <laughs> find that. Make some more. That's it. That's it. I got. I got to get you to make me a hot rod switchblade. You know, uh, I've often thought that I should. I should reinvent that. Um, I would. I would love to have something like that in the shop. That that would fit in very well. Um, Placed upon high in a glass case in the VIP. That is a great curiosity that I, I would love to show people. Yeah, we need to talk about that. I probably could probably do that. All right, yeah. We'll, we'll be in touch. Like, I'd love it. That sounds like a fun thing. 
I love to see a new one after all these years. Unfortunately, those were one of those things that kind of disappear into collections. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's um, one of the interesting things about minnows is, um, you know, man, I've made a lot of them, you know. Um, honestly, I don't know. Last time I figured it out, it was over 300, though. Wow. Um, and, and, you know, they don't come back on the market very often. You know, uh, sometimes they do, but generally speaking, uh, they go home, you know, and, and they go into somebody's collection and, and there they stay, Uh, which, which, you know, I take as a, as a, um, as a sincere compliment, you know, it's very kind, you know, most people at all, you know. Um, it's uh, a lot of collectors these days have ADD. They'll, they'll get something. They'll, they'll chase something for about six months. They'll finally get it, and they'll get bored of it ten days later, and on to the next thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No. When someone buys a knife and they and they and they cherish it and keep it, that's yeah. I would take that as a huge compliment. Mm-hmm. I have. Uh, um, there's a customer in uh, Wisconsin that. Um, in the Chicago area, uh, where I, I do a show every year <clears throat> in southern Wisconsin, the Badger. As a matter of fact, there's another club show, uh, the Badger Knife Show, Badger Knife Club. And uh, uh, there's a guy who, who bought a uh, minnow from me in 1996, and this one's a lockback. You know, this is, this is actually be, before, um, before they, they turned automatic. And uh, he has carried that in his pocket ever since. And it's, um, it was Damascus and uh, Jig Bone. I mean, it's still Damascus. But, it, you know, it's amazing what 20 years worth of pocket polish will do to another. <laughs> you know, and, uh, uh, you know, I... It's it's just it's just the most beautiful thing, you know. And it's it's funny, you know. And every year, you know, he comes to the show. You know, he walks by. He goes, "You want to see it? Yeah, I want to see it." And he pulls it out of his pocket, you know. And uh, uh, he has he has he has carried it forever. Um, and the reason I say it used to be Damascus is, you know, it's it's pretty polished now. Yeah, <laughs> still got lines in it, but don't look like it used to. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's a very kind thing. Yeah, but I the the knife that I carried today it was a like the fourth folder I made that that was mechanically not not up to par, but it it was anodized at one point, and there's no sign of anodizing on that thing at all. After what six years, I think. Sure. It just it, sure. it looks like a great tumble knife. You know, uh, Nick, I kind of like that stuff too. You know, I I, I like that wear that. Um, Lived in look, kind of look, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. You know, it's it's it, you know it's you know basically they are a tool, you know, and and uh, um, yeah, we might as well use our stuff, you know, because uh, you know there's everybody makes a lot of pocket or I mean you know safe queens and and you know I've made a lot of those too, um, and and I don't I don't mean to you know I. 
that's also a compliment. But but uh, those ones that get to get used and used and, and uh, um, not wear out, but but just polish. And, I don't know. It's what mm. I. You know there there was something. Um... There was there was one more thing I, I did want to ask you about one one more auto that I that I came across while while doing a little bit of research, uh, and it was the the modern Godiva scrimshaw. It was a dagger you did with a with a nude on it. I don't I don't know if you did the nude or or the nude was applied to it, but it was just a, it was a very interesting piece that caught my eye. I, I don't know if you what's a nude uh... naked lady. A naked oh, like lady, an actual, oh, like an actual nude. Okay, I was it's like, it's when you take your clothes off, son. That's how that works. <laughs> I I or did do suit. that. Yeah. Oh, you did I, the scrimshaw? I, I did. Yes. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, it's um, um, yeah, it was a it was a small dagger, um, and then the scrim was on the backside of it. Uh, and, you know, and I did it and it was okay. You know, I mean, I, um, you know, I can, uh, uh, I can draw, um, but, but scrim takes a very, uh, light hand and I was maybe a little heavy, you know, mm. on, on my, on my dots and things. But, um, you know, uh, after, after I did, and I did it just to do it, you know, um, then it was, um, well, you know what, hell, I, I felt a little funny about it, you know, because I was standing there, you know, and, and dang, there's a naked girl on my table. Um, and, I, and I, <laughs> but it was, I don't know, made me feel a little funny. Mm. You know, that's, that was pretty rare. Matter of fact, I expect that's the only, only naked lady. She was kind of cute though. <laughs> what what show, what show did you bring that to? Out of curiosity. Wow. Um, uh, yep, yep. You know, you got me. I don't, yeah, I don't know that. Uh, so I'm not too familiar with the process of scrimshaw. Is that carved or burned? It's it's neither. It is um, it is poked and gently scratched into uh, usually ivory. Uh, and that was ivory, and and then um, the scratch and the the needle dots are filled with ink, and they they hold the ink in the, in the white ivory, and then the ink is is rubbed off, so you have black lines in the white, huh. and then that process <clears throat> is is done uh, gently and lightly. Um, over and over and over until you build the image. Oh, so it's literally like a stick and poke tattoo. Okay. Yeah, it's more I, like tattooing than it is anything. I, I never read up on it. I just I, like uh, for some reason I I, I was like is it, I thought it was like carved and then burned and then sanded because that's what it kind of looked like. Uh, well, that's interesting. I didn't know it was actually like tattooing. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it really. I suppose it is. I don't have a tattoo. I think it hurt. That's Otherwise, pretty much exactly like how a tattoo is done. And there's a method called stick and poke, and that sounds like what you did there. That's kind of makes me wonder. I wonder if you could use a like a modified tattoo machine on Scrimshaw. <laughs> I was doing the slow. same thing. You use like an actual tattoo gun to actually Scrimshaw. It's possible. Depends Man. on how the needles tattoo are. Tattoo machine, set up. Nick. Tattoo machine. Yeah. I said machine. I didn't say gun. 
Jaden. <laughs> oh. Nick's got to make me that uh, that inlaid one, and we'll find out. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a, the reason I bring up Scrimshaw is Jeremiah wants me to middle him an MK1 with an inlay or a full scale out of some white ivory paper or my carter or something along those lines, and he has a friend of those Scrimshaw work. Yeah, I've, I've had a thing for Scrimshaw for a minute now, so I need that fulfilled. But that, <laughs> are you, are that, that dagger was cool. A nude? No, probably, nude, probably yeah. not. <laughs> I liked it. I saw that, and I was I figured, I was like, oh, he did the back of the scale because he must have had it at a table, so you can kind of turn it over if you wanted to and, and conceal oh, so it. Kind of like a Loveless style, where like the, the front lady on the front, the back lady on the back? Yeah, just the backs, or the just one of the scales is done on the knife, so you can sort of, you know... If, it's, if you were at a show, you could turn it over. Yeah, it, it was it was neat. I came across it and I was like, "Oh, that's that's badass." Yeah, the listing on Arizona Custom Knives, uh, it's got like '04 date added, so it's pretty yeah. old. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Hmm. That's very cool. Yeah, Arizona Custom Knives has quite a um, quite an archive of uh, old stuff. You know, oh, I can have, imagine yeah. that they have they have sold uh, through the years, and you know they've always been very good to me. Well, that's good. Uh, you know, and you know you 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 know you hear conversations about somebody doesn't like somebody, you know, or somebody likes somebody, and you know whatever. But but uh, Arizona's always been good. If you've been doing it long enough, you've got the equal amounts. People like you, and people don't like you. I suppose, yeah. No. Yes, that's just the way it is. Oh, wow. It's legitimately a full nude. Okay. Yeah, you were like, what's a nude? Oh, good times. All right. Naked. I like it. Um, so I've never seen colored scrimshaw, actually. I thought it was just kind of a process that was black. Yeah, it um, dies after. It right? has been indigo ink uh, in the past. Uh, you Or India ink, sorry. Um, but you can use color. I mean, you can you scratch it, and then you can color it however you want, essentially. Oh, I don't know. That. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sandra Brady does um, some really fabulous uh, color scrim. You know, animals and 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 stuff. You know, I don't. I don't know that um, that scrim is as is as popular as it once was. You know, you used to see a lot more scrim, uh, and now it's it's. It's a bit of a rarity. Um, yeah, it's, you don't you really don't see it as much, especially in in knives. I think with the advent of modern folders, yeah, yeah, or just lasers. I think it's it's one of those arts that is is probably not as popular. Though I, whenever I see it, it's I, I love it. I like the way it looks. You can tell that it was done by hand. Yeah, I've always been a fan. It's a yeah. dying art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, maybe so. You know. Um, and of course, you, you know, there's, um, well, there's a lot of fashion in, in knife making. Um, you know, it's like, uh, well, like we were talking about, you know, when, when you mentioned that, oh, that's when, when lightning strike carbon fiber was, was really popular because it's not very popular anymore. No, it's a paint to work with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, anytime, you, anytime you machine it, it just all the frays go straight up, and then there's an empty little pocket uh, from where the where you frayed out or pulled out. Yeah, it's not my favorite stuff at all, but 
you know, like uh, first year I went to the gathering, I think it was the gathering three. I don't know. Um, it was it was when um, Toxic Green, you know, Toxic Green was really popular. Yeah. And, you know, it was Toxic Green this and Toxic Green that, you know. Yep. Emerson, yeah. the Toxic Green, and the USN. Everyone had a USN edition knife back then. For the shows, Toxic Toxic Green G10 was everywhere. <laughs> it it and and now it's nowhere. You know, you don't ever see that. Um, but you know, and and uh, you know, styles come and styles go. Uh, you know, it's and it's it's not. I don't think there's anything that's, you know, uh, it's not like it's, uh, it's not not like it's good or bad. It just is, kind of. It is what it is. You know, right now, um, titanium um, frame locks are just as is as hot as they can be. You know, um, perfectly smooth with you know with the with the gorgeous finish on it and and. You know that's what that's what people want. Mm. You know, you put you put toxic green on it, and and uh, ain't nobody gonna want it. You know, so you're probably gonna go home with that one. Frame lock clippers, man. I yeah. my my favorite still is and will always just be normal carbon fiber. Yeah, carbon you know, fibers. You know, I was a, I was a fan of it before making knives, before collecting knives. I've always liked it, and just just looks great. Look, uh. Just awesome material. You always liked it until you started working with it, huh? <laughs> yeah, it worked good. It sucks. You wear a lot of masks and whatever, but it it works fine. It just you have to take a lot of safety precautions, and mm-hmm. it makes everything messy because every it, the, the 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 dust is so fine that it just sticks to everything and stains everything. Yeah, stains your fingers. Even it's just yeah. Yeah, I'll go after work. I'll go out with my friends, and they'll be like, "Oh, well, you look like a mess." I'm like, "Yeah, I worked with carbon fiber like eight days ago." Eight days ago. Eight, yeah, eight days ago. Yeah, it, it doesn't come out of the pores really easily. <laughs> yes, probably not good. Probably not good for you either, Nick. I don't know. Hey, I you're do 68. You're still going. So yeah, there you go. That's true. I mean, it can't be that bad. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. God, I hope it's not. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I still got 20 years left. I expect to be making stuff. There we go. Hell yeah. You know, I hope to. You know, and unless uh, you know, unless something changes, you know, I uh, I expect to. I uh, um, I I just met David Boy. Uh, you guys know that guy? I've heard of him. Yeah, Boy uh, Knives. Boy Knives. Yeah. Well, he was he was at the show, the Blade Show now, and I was wandering around on Sunday morning in the uh, in the small room, you know, which is still. You know the other room there, <clears throat> and uh, you know, and I, I'm looking over there, and it was it was uh, it was David Boy, you know, and so I went up, we talked to him, and I tell you what, it was it was weird. Um, I got starstruck by this guy, you know, because he was 85 or 86, you know, and he's still running the business, and now his his grandson. You know, goes to shows with him. You know, you know, steers him around or whatever. And and uh, uh, I, I was just as impressed with him as I as I could possibly be. Um, 
And, you know, I told him, I said, man, this is, you know, this is, this is what I'm aspiring to do. I want to be that 80 year old guy, you know, that's, st- that's still making and selling knives. No, yeah, that's what, that's when I see, when I see, I see Mel uh, twice a year. And every time I see Mel, I'm like, damn, Mel, you're still cranking it. You, you, he will run circle. Me and Rob work together often. I'm like, you run circles quicker than me and Rob would. That's the way to do it, though. Keep on yeah. going. Malpardu, for his age, that guy's a monster. Yeah, like a Bob yeah. Trizola, You know, I think knife makers don't really retire unless they want to. Yeah, but like... Or have Mal- to, maybe, <laughs> but you know, they keep going. Passion yeah. lives on. Mm-hmm. It, it does. There's, you know, I don't know how old um, Henry Frank was was making really fine knives. And, man, he was old, too. You know, and he was still making great knives. Um. Yeah, you know Ron Lake. Yeah, I don't know how old Ron Lake is. Well, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, <laughs> Ron Lake is. Uh, yeah, he's got to be the um the oldest still going. Ron. And 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 he's got to be the best. I mean, his stuff is perfect. You know, whether you like what he does or not, it doesn't. You know, you you pick up a Ron Lake folder and and. Uh, you know, the white they, gloves come out. Yeah, yeah, they're they're just perfect. You know, then mm-hmm. they're simple. It's, they're simple. You know, sure. But but simple's simple's nice. You know, I'm yeah. I'm one of those I'm one of those guys, of course. That uh, um, you know, the blade show. You know, I, I you know you go around, and you see all your friends and all people that you know. And uh, man, if there's one table that I always hit up every time I go to a show. And he's there. It's Paul Schindler. Paul's a Paul's a dealer and uh, yeah. What the hell is he? Uh, Exquisite knives or something. Yeah, he no, does. He does the the New York Knife Show. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's a he's a New Yorker guy. Or yeah. In that, you know, <laughs> Massachusetts or something. It's their knife treasures. Oh, and anyway, you know, he's got fabulous knives on his table. You're talking you know, about Paul Farina. Nope, I'm talking no. about okay. Paul Paul Schindler. Paul but Schindler. Friends, okay. Yeah. yeah Paul, Farina. Paul Farina's from Mass. Yep. So yeah. Was, so, yeah. Was it like so, an AC some guy or something? Yeah. Anyways, sorry. No. You know, no I, it, it, I, I'm the guy that goes up to, to Paul's table and, you know, we chit chat for a little bit and I look down and go, yeah, Paul, let me, let me pick up that Michael Walker. <laughs> you know, and and he, you know, and he always does. He's a good man, you know, because uh, he knows I'm not going to hurt it and be, you know, be stupid. But, but uh, uh, I, I, I am out front enough. Going, yeah, I, you see that thirty five thousand dollar folder? I want to open it and close it. Let me play with that for a minute. Give me that. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. You know, and and you know, it just about kills him. But you know, <laughs> but he does. You know, he's a he's a good guy, and and. Uh, uh, but but I I do you know I I uh, if I get a chance to to pick up a Michael Walker or a or a Ron Lake, you know very gently and and correctly open and close it, man I'm gonna do it, you know because those knives are just out of this world. I've seen plenty in cases at shows before, but I've never had the nerve to ask to actually hold one. Yeah, it's, a... yeah. it's like that. That's like something special. Like when the guy's so good that you you like. <laughs> You, you like to TKI, feel weird if to ask to hold the knife. 
If you went to TKI, you'd have the chance. That was the first time Mike uh, Michael had two on the on his bench at TKI, and I got to handle both of those. So the first time where like I was actually able to like look at them and fondle them like properly and not be like weird because the dealer is like looking into my soul. Like, don't uh, drop that. <laughs> yeah. It's a house yeah. if you drop that. Yeah, he was at the Paris show last year uh, when I was there, and I just didn't go over. I didn't have the chance to go over and say, hey, one of these days. Whatever, I'm like, well, sir, may I please look at your work? This is the one chance. I, I said the same. I was like, I, dealers have them, but like they always look into my soul, and I don't want to. I don't want to ask to look. He's like, to sure, check good, look at it. Go yeah, for it. pretty much. Hmm. Over. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you you kind of you know you kind of have to you have to do that stuff. Otherwise, you know, it's, you know that we were talking a little bit a while ago about awards at the Blade Show. Um, I tell you what, at, at 3.30 in the afternoon on Friday at the Blade Show, every single one, uh, I march my little self down there and and enter a knife in something. Um, not because I think I'm going to win, but because it gets me into the room for 30 minutes where uh, the knife makers will bring their very best knife and lay it down for composition. And mm. so... You know, in that in that thirty minutes, you can see the best of the best at the Blade Show, and I, I mean, it is an amazing room. You know, that's you a good and, tip right there. Just, oh, just yeah. enter to go. Yes, absolutely. You know, you just lay your knife down and and uh, uh, you know, and then hang around till they that. Well, what I do is I go in there, I lay my knife down, then I hang around till they tell it. Well, yeah, it's four o'clock. You gotta go. Okay, <laughs> I'll go back. Okay, yeah, just leave him there. Yep. Um. So before we have a pretty much once added a little over two hours solid episode. Is there anything else you'd like to mention before we start wrapping it up? Um. You know what? I got a whole bunch of notes, but this has been a wonderful conversation, gentlemen. And well, if you have some uh, some stuff to plug, some some stuff you're working on, some shows, definitely you should definitely mention that before we wrap up. Okay. I, uh, you know what? We covered all of my stuff really well. Um, uh, I am doing, um, I, you know, and I'm always kind of now starting to, to look for shows. Um, but, uh, there's a, there's a show in Wisconsin, uh, third weekend of March. It's the, the Badger Knife Club. Uh, it's their annual show, and uh, it is one of the best and best-run small shows. You know, 200 tables, probably, 160. That's still, that's still like pretty that. large. That's more than New it, York. It's bigger than New York, yeah. Um, and, and this show brings in a lot of people. You know, they'll get, you know, I don't know if it's like New York numbers, but they're going to get a couple thousand people that are going to come through this show. And and, and it's it's uh, it's it's very close. You know, the tables are very close together. Um, Not much room in between tables, you know, and sometimes those aisles are are so full that um, it's hard to get away from your table. You know, um, 
And you don't see that a lot. But, uh, you know, one of my... I like shows that are crowded. You know, I like shows that, that you know, where there's too many people um, and where the aisles aren't so wide because I, I think it brings a certain amount of excitement into the room. You know, um, if you have not enough people or too big a room, then, uh, you know, people can gently stroll by everything, you know. Um, I mean, you guys know how it is at the Blade Show, you know, Blade yeah. Show's back, you know, and that's why the Blade Show is a good, is, is a good show, um, because it, the whole thing is very exciting. So this, this little show in Janesville, uh, Wisconsin, which is just over the border from Illinois, um, is, is just a great show to see. And it has, uh, because it's a club show. Um, it is, uh, you know, cl collectible jackknives. It is military stuff. It is, um, materials, uh, a lot of custom makers, you know, a lot of good makers, you know, go to that show. Peter Martin's always there. He's a Wisconsin guy. You know? you're, Man. You're, you're telling us the crew has to make a little road trip out to Wisconsin. Yeah, that's you what know. it sounds like. <laughs> well, Wisconsin. Milwaukee. Um, go Bears. Yeah, it's it's about an uh, hour and a half north of Chicago, you know. So it's it's you know it's it's not bad, but it's uh, um, you know it's going to snow. Just count on it. Fingers uh, crossed. It's going to snow. Just count on it. Yeah, it does. You know, every it's year it's like it snows an Arctic summer. winter in July there. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, that's a that's a uh, I like that show. You know, I do that show. Uh, Kentucky shows a great one. Um, Blade, of course. You know, Are you still the USN. Uh, you know what? Now I'm not. I did the USN for uh, I don't know five or six years, and the deal with the USN and now uh, uh, the USN uh, I I thought was always a good show. You know, it was it was fun. You know, it was party and it's Vegas and but but. Um, if if I go to the USN, it's it's well, it, it's a, it's on Labor Day weekend, and <clears throat> you know, living in Michigan, you take your summer seriously, you know, because I'm telling you what, you've got uh, no it's you short know, lived, yeah, and um, the last time that I went to the gathering, um, I had to I had to work all the way through August, which is the nicest month of the year. And, and I, you know, and I told him, I said, you know what, you guys, I'm not doing this, you know, I said, well, why don't you just have this damn show in November or January or February or March or November? Not the hottest time in Vegas either. <laughs> yeah, not that, you know, it gets hot in Vegas and, and, you know, truthfully, I, I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to work through my summer. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I bailed out of that one. And I've heard a lot of guys did, but, but you know, there, there again, you know, shows, um, they come and they go, you know, and I, I'm not yeah. sure about the, uh, the new Las Vegas show. It's a, I think it's two days this year at the end of the shot show. Is it? 
Yeah, well, they had it last year. That was the Vegas Classic, the one you mentioned prior. Yeah, it's uh, bringing bring it, back the Las Vegas Classic. It, it was pretty great last, this year because of TKI. I exhibited it there. the good. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm not doing it this coming show, I don't think, because there's no TKI to support it. I was actually thinking about doing it. I was just talking to Jerry last night about this. That's true, man. You just want an excuse to go to Vegas. No, I'm going to go regardless. I have to do shot with weed. Oh, but, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'm thinking about doing that show because what the heck? Well, I signed up well. to do it until they moved TKI. And, uh, I might talk to Steve about it in New York. That weekend yeah. is so expensive for me in Vegas for me to go to that show. I don't, I don't think collectors are going to really show up necessarily. To take the risk to go out there for the, all that all that expense, plus I also spent a lot of money while in Vegas. Aside there, from the there, there will be some uh, shot show overflow, and that's about yeah, it. I think. I think. I think the shot show will bring in a lot of. Uh, if it didn't have that, then yeah, that would be weird. But it's got shot. I mean, it's still good. Yeah, it's still one of Steve's deal. shows. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve promotes well. He does. Yeah, fifty fifty does an excellent job. Um, all, all those shows are great. I sponsor those shows. They're great. There's <laughs> <laughs> a plug. <laughs> so, so TKI has been moved to a different time, right? In a different place? Oh, it's, in Na- yes. it's in Nashville. It's in Nashville. In February. Nashville. Because everybody got uh, got a little sore about how they were being treating it, treated in Vegas. Yeah, a little bit, even though they came back anyway. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moved, moved across the country and so yeah, I just do it in February, Nashville. Mm. And so it's it's still set up as a one day one day show. Yeah, TKI. TK, as much. far as I know, TKI, yeah. Yep. One night, yeah. We'll see how it goes. I think all three of us are going. I'm gonna do my best. Sounds I'm like not. all three of us are going. So. I'm, okay, that's good. I'm gonna do my best. I'm I think all three of us are going. Uh, that's good. No, no, I think all three of you are going now. Yeah, all three of us like. are going, Nick. I don't know, man. This year, tap me out. Anyway, okay, we'll get Phil. By Kentucky, that's 11, 11 shows. Uh, by Kentucky, Kentucky. That's not. So, Phil, not we will see assistance. you. We will see you in Kentucky, right? Yes, you will. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to that. That that should be a great show this year, as always. Yeah, so a fast show. Yeah, fastest show I've ever seen. Hopefully, no uh, fire alarms. Not this oh, year. God, that was that was awful. Yeah, that was pretty strange. That was the first I've ever experienced. Like I've never heard of anything like that happening ever. It hit me at such a bad time when that fire when that alarm happened. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. Yep. That's a but that's a fun that's a fun show, fun scene, you know. Uh I I think that uh maybe the uh idea of the uh small and I don't know about intimate, but maybe intimate kind of a show is is uh possibly the coming thing. You know, Kentucky works really well. You know, TKI. Yeah, the um, new trend. Yeah. yeah. I can see and that. Then, uh, I understand there's other there's other shows that I don't... Uh, but, you know, there's one in Arizona that's like... I don't know what the heck the name of it is. Like the Frog Show or the fr- Froggy... 
I don't know. But it's like, you know, a 20 invited knife makers and it's just a one day thing the monkey muster might be what you're that's, uh that's, that's oh it. yeah monkey muster yeah, yeah. they, they i think they oh yeah i, was I to think they froggy, did that this year is it yeah, in phoenix yeah it's at it's at um brady's shop at at um monkey hq there I've, hmm. I've never been out oh yeah it's yeah. the monkey thing that's right yeah, it's that like cool hipster joint with the uh ta- <laughs> the uh monkey muster what monkey's edge and then who else you so, got jade over there with his vest so you're saying it's it's your show no <laughs> oh, all right on that okay, note sure. and then, so we got to wrap it up it's getting a bit late uh so where can people find you phil uh you can find me on uh i have a facebook group that would be phil booth knives and weird stuff um I don't even know if you have to ask to join it, but, uh, you know, I go on there and put stuff on. Uh, I also have uh, a regular Facebook, uh, and that's just Philip Booth. Um, That's also got some knives on it. Uh, Instagram, that is um, Philip Booth Knives. You can find me there. Um, Not going to mention that website because I didn't even know it was still up. That is really like really old, you know, and and uh, yeah, um, but uh, yeah, uh, you can find me, um, those places you get a hold of me, you know, uh, Blade Show, done Blade Show for I, I don't know, I'd have to do some math, but I think it was 98 was my first Blade Show, um, a dig blade, it's fun, um, there you go. so sounds- yeah. Hey, so you guys know where to get at him? Well, we tagging them on the Bladeology podcast Instagram. Uh, I'm Nick Trooper and NCC Knives. You could find me at NCC Knives on Instagram or NCC Knives at Yahoo.com. Um, so Nick Trooper out. This is Elijah Isham of Isham Blade Works. You can find me at Isham Blade Works on Instagram. And uh, same thing for the email at gmail.com. Signing awesome. off. This is Jeremiah Burbank. Uh, from PVK Vegas. You can find me there on the Instagram at my day job. Um, I want to thank Phil for coming on and another awesome episode of Bladeology. Thank you so much. This is Jeremiah signing off. Thank you, Jeremiah. Thank you, Nick and Elijah. This is Phil Booth. I guess I'm signing off too if everybody's going. Thank you, folks. It's been fun. It was a pleasure. Mm-hmm.